You are listening to the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, a member of the Shameless Podcast Network. Today on the Choose Your Struggle Podcast, it's friend of the pod and anorexia fighter Haley Granger. But first, kid mental, let's go. Things ain't always gonna go our way, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And some battles will be yesterday, but today is for a new beginning. Choose your struggle, and don't worry about what they say, but you can always win when you choose your struggle. And you can bounce back, just as you Come on in, listen in to choose your struggle. Choose your struggles. Choose your struggles. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I don't know why I said that that way, but that's fine. I'm going to leave that in. Uh, <laughs> always, always great to be with you. I, I thank you for, for tuning in. I'm going to underscore that this week um, for two reasons. Number one, the fundraiser. Uh, one more week after this one, uh, as you're hearing this on Friday or Saturday, uh, if you're listening on Friday, uh, thank you for listening in <laughs> the day it comes out. If you're listening on Saturday, Sunday, whatever, my birthday is Saturday, July 10th. Uh, this fundraiser is for my birthday, but we're doing it one week after the birthday is the deadline because uh, Spark Tabor of the Cookies for Breakfast podcast, like last year, is going to do a stream on Twitch to help me raise funds for this. As I am recording this on Wednesday the seventh with the Facebook uh, fundraiser and offline donations. We're closing in on two grand, which is amazing. Uh, the goal is twenty five hundred this year. So really, I, I, I mean this. It's just I'm just so thankful. I, I It means so much to me when I am asked how I measure the success of my podcast, of my work. This is the kind of thing that I point to. You know, I'm speaking next weekend at Podthon, a really cool virtual podcast conference. And my session is titled Beyond Monetization, Podcasting for Good. And I'm going to talk about this, you know, that um, I was able to raise by then probably around $2,500 to $3,000 for a really incredible organization uh, just from this work. You know, to me, that means so much more than any money that I you know, bring in the door for choose your struggle. I know to my team, <laughs> I, I, I still obviously need to make money to pay you. And that's, that's obviously a thing that I prioritize and, and don't worry, all of my team gets paid, but, um, <laughs> you know, beyond me personally making loads of money, doing good things with this platform is so much more important to me. So that's number one, but the number two reason I'm going to underscore to all of you. Thank you so much for listening is that, I say often, often that I want you to reach out, that it's important to me that that you reach out, that I hear from you. And today's guest is proof of that. Uh, about a little over a year ago, a young woman named Haley Granger reached out to me and she uh, had been struggling with anorexia for a good number of years and was about to enter the uh, hospitalization for this struggle. Um, we got to chatting, obviously, you know, my story of, of spending time in a hospital in a lockdown unit for, for mental health stuff. And um, I, I told her, number one, please let's stay in touch. Uh, because I obviously, you know, there aren't a lot of people in your life who know what it's like, and I've been there, and I want to to be that uh, that resource and that support for you. But number two, 
after you go through this, let's let's chat for the podcast because I would love for you to be a guest. Uh, well, here we are a little over a year later, and that has finally come true. <laughs> Today's guest is Haley Granger. Um, she is a truly powerful person. Um, during her hospitalization, we stayed in touch, like I said, and you know, I sent her some stuff that I know would have made my time in the hospital a little bit easier. Um, things like, you know, uh, I, I personally was super into like, you know, word games, the kind that you buy, like penny savers, right? We all know those. If you, if you go to the checkout line at the, at the store or Barnes and Noble has the whole line of them, um, you know, things like brain teasers and, and word searches and just all that kind of stuff to keep your brain active because, uh, monotony can be really serious in those settings. Um, you know, other things just like books and journals and, and things that can help keep your mind off of for a little while where what's going on in your life um and and i sent her a box from our my friend at blurt uh with some of those things as well with some inspiration uh she sent me a very nice card that now sits um behind or or on my desk all the time it's it's something that i i cherish because um you know again it's one of those signs that this work matters and and you know yes i can look at money in the door or listen all that kind of stuff that doesn't really matter um but stuff like this from Haley is is why I do what I do. So um, the other thing I want to say is that she is also, and she talks about this briefly on the on the episode, uh, a very accomplished um, jewelry artist, uh, and I and I say that intentionally uh, because her jewelry is wearable art. I have a necklace that she sent me um, that that is wonderful. Uh, really beautiful. It's sort of a, a a forest scene inside of the necklace. It's I, I don't I, I can't do it. I don't know how she does it, but um, the, the link to check that out is in the show notes. Uh, please do so. Um, she is an artist with words. Check out her blog, which she talks about a couple of times. Scales are for fish. And she's an artist with the jewelry. It is it is truly uh, truly something else. So uh, definitely check her out. And and you know Haley, I know you're hearing this. So thank you for for continuing to be an inspiration, uh, continuing to be a friend of the podcast, and uh, you know someone who I think embodies a lot of of what I call for and a lot of what I do. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Please please enjoy this episode with Haley Granger, and stick around till the end for your card and your good egg. A quick shout out to my Patreon supporters. I am so grateful for your support and your love. Y'all have been with me since almost the beginning and so much of this podcast could not be done without you. Almost to a person, they've all told me that they didn't join for the perks although there are some pretty fantastic perks, but they've all joined just to support the show, and it really means so much to me. Now, if you join, you are going to get some stuff in return. You'll get sneak peeks, extra content, and the chance to interact with me on a second level. It's really a great way to show support if you love this show. So go ahead and check it out today. Go to patreon.com slash choose your struggle. The lowest tier is only $3.40 a month. And there's multiple tiers after that. There's something for everybody. So truly, I truly mean this. Thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. And if you've been waiting to sign up, well, now's a great time. So head on over to Patreon and show a little bit of love. Choose your struggle. 
Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review or check out the review link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we are we are recording. Uh, I'll say this. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. This is your host, as always, Jay Schiffman. And uh, I'm making special notice of the fact that as my wife really was so kind to say right before I started this recording, I sound tired. So <laughs> that's where we are as we're recording. So uh, without, no, no more about me and my amazing Barry White voice today. Uh, Haley, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, we'll go from there. Lovely. Hi, my name's Hayley. I am a 32-year-old recoverer from anorexia, and it is an absolute pleasure to to join you on your podcast day. And can I just say congratulations on your whole hundred episodes? That is absolutely incredible, and I am a really big fan of yours. So thanks for having me on. Thank you. And, and yes, um, I, you know, as we're recording this, uh, I just dropped the 100th episode. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to say, everybody, that I mentioned Haley a couple weeks ago. I mentioned how um, that I had a really special guest coming up because I was talking about how this podcast has allowed me to be connected to people that I normally would not have met and not just big names, of mm -hmm. course, but but people who are living uh, a very different life than my own and, and people that I've become uh, sort of I actually, Haley, you'll appreciate this. I, I said we don't have a <laughs> word for what you and I are like. Yeah, we're friendly, but we've never met each other. We're not acquaintances. Mm -hmm. We're not yeah. coworkers. Like there's not a word for what this is. But it, you are someone that I admire and someone who I've learned a lot from and that I really think is doing incredible work. And and everybody when I I didn't mention the person's name, but but here we are. I'm finally talking to you, Haley. <laughs> it's great to have you. Thank you. Maybe we can be known as Across the Ponders or something like that. There definitely does need to be a name for what we have. And thank you so much. That really means a lot. Thank you. Well, uh, so, yes, the listeners, if, if you cannot tell, uh, Haley is not from the U.S. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that accent is not fake. Um, <laughs> so Haley and I got connected, what was that, probably a year ago now, right? Yeah, uh, probably, yeah. You reached out to me, and at the time, you were just about to embark on sort of a big part of this journey we're talking about today, and mm -hmm. we stayed in touch, and I said, you know, I would love to have you on the show once you sort of, you know, once the outcome of this is more known, and I would love to have you talk about it. And, and so yeah. this show is a year in the making. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what a year it's been. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's why we're here is to hear about this incredible year. Uh, I think I'm using the word incredible, not as like the way that I use it all the time, which is to mean amazing, but instead mm -hmm. to truly mean its meaning, which is sort of awe inspiring and 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 um, truly remarkable. And, and it has been that for you. I think so. On reflection. Yeah, I think when you reflect on quite a difficult time in your life it does feel like that and obviously at the time when you're going through it it feels anything but incredible but it is because people like you and having more of an awareness and spreading that awareness of mental health that has made, made this kind of be more of an incredible experience and has been as cringy as it sounds quite a life-changing one so yeah I'm I'm very grateful to have kind of 
got through this experience and to be able to call it quite an incredible one. So I think I think at this point, uh, the, the, the best way to kind of go into your story would be take us up to the point, you know, where you and I first met. So to so talk, mm-hmm. give us a little bit of the backstory, if that makes sense. So thinking it was just a year ago, it feels a, an awful lot longer than that, really. I think a lot has changed since then. I remember kind of first reaching out to you absolutely admiring what you were doing spreading the word about having positive stigmas you know for mental health um and at that point I was in a really dark place a very different place to where I am now um I have been struggling with um anorexia which is a type of eating disorder for a third of my life um I had received various types of support ranging from face-to-face therapy Uh, to a day patient support program and it was at that point um, in my day support program where I reached out to you because unfortunately they um, they decided that it was the right time for me to not be in the day patient support program but actually to seek support from a hospital admission it got to that point where it wasn't enough Um, unfortunately at that point I had to wait a good two to three months for a bed in hospital um, and I just felt extremely lost a little let down as well um, and really just needed support and someone to reach out to so that's basically where we were about a year ago and um, a lot has happened since then which is has been really positive. So before we really talk about the hospital stay, because this will be a really interesting conversation because this is something that I can connect with you on. Obviously, we were there for very different reasons, but I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of guests on this show who have been through that experience the way that you and I now both have. Um, so mm-hmm. this will be really interesting. But before that, let's talk a little bit about the the lifespan of your your struggle against anorexia Mm -hmm. how old were you when this first became a thing that you were aware of even if you didn't know its name even if you didn't know it was a diagnosis it was just a when you started to notice this about yourself yeah I think kind of shockingly it was in my early teens I think kind of when puberty hit I became very aware of my body and who I am and I pretty much at that point just wanted to disappear and I think that really sowed the seed for what was going to happen sort of a few years later where it was getting to the point where I was diagnosed with anorexia so I would I would say yeah I've had it most of my kind of adolescence and then obviously it did get progressively worse as I was coming into adulthood. So a big piece of, of the struggle that anyone who struggles against their issues of mental health or substance misuse or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case is goes through is identity. I mean, we're, we're seeing some yeah. really incredible research being done on this um, mm-hmm. and, and sort of a common thread throughout all of this. And it sounds like if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, that very much was a part of your story. Yeah, absolutely. I think the more I learn about the illness, the more I learn about how the illness has impacted me, it has completely made me realise that it is about identity. I always thought that I, my anorexia was a haleyism, that it was just me, that that is just who I am, that 
I need to be in control of t- as to what I eat and to what I look like so that people will like me. But obviously, having gone through this whole process of recovery, I've realized that that actually is what anorexia is. It is a coping strategy. It is a way of coming to terms with your identity and really battling with that. Um, so ultimately, yeah, I think the whole control over food is trying to get control over who you are and your identity. So that's so fascinating because uh, sort of coping is a, is a big word that a lot of us, mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about substance misuse, you know, it reminds me of when I was I was working with a, a, a client who who her son was struggling, and I helped her understand. You know, she was seeing his his use of heroin as, oh, he's just trying to party. And I said, no, heroin isn't mm-hmm. a party drug. Heroin is is filling a hole. And, and yeah. it sounds like you're saying that that you're in, sort of similar. Similarly, your mm-hmm. inability at the at the time, and this is your early to mid teens to to deal with what a lot of us go through, which is, you know, yeah. who am I? Am I unique? Am I not? Do I want to be unique? Your answer to that was was taking control of something uh, or wanting to be in control of something. And for you, your coping mechanism was was this uh, developing uh, what what we now call it or what you eventually were able to be diagnosed with, which is anorexia. Mm hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. And it's so interesting the way that you can compare a mental health illness such as anorexia with substance misuse. It is all very much just a validation and that control over things. And I think there are a lot of similarities, actually. And it is that just addiction to wanting to feel good and to feel as though you're in control. and just that there is a massive parallel, I think, between addiction with a drug and addiction with an eating disorder. I think it is just having that control over things and, and feeling okay. There's a massive parallel there. I'm hearing something in your story, which is that if, and tell me if, if, if I'm wrong here, but if the stigma wasn't so strong and there was mm-hmm. better education, you might have known in an earlier age oh, this is, first off, it's it's very common what I'm feeling, and this is something that I should probably address before it gets too late. Was Would education mm-hmm. have made a, bit, a difference in your story? Oh, absolutely, 100%. And I think that's kind of really shaped who I am now, and I am a massive advocate for mental health. I work at a university in the mental health support team. I am now um, an advocate for a charity in mind in England, and I am a massive believer that the more you know, the more you're empowered, the more difference and change that you can make. And I do believe that had I have known all this earlier, yes, I would have suffered with an eating disorder but I would have had the skills and perhaps the capacity to deal with this a a lot better and perhaps not have experienced it for as long as I have so I think education is just power it just enables you to learn and to grow and to support others and yourself definitely this uh, struggle starts in your early teens. What did it What did it look like? Let's say when you were in high school. What What, mm-hmm. what was the, sort of your your relationship to anorexia then? Did you Did you know it had a name? Did you know this is what you were experiencing? 
No, I think it, it was just always on the sidelines. I think for me, necessary it wasn't necessarily kind of fully ingrained in me then. It was very much just a, a stark awareness of myself, not fitting in, feeling very uncomfortable. Um, just, yeah, high school was just not an easy time. And I don't think it is for anybody. But yeah, for me, it was just that massive avoidance around food because that was deemed as a treat to myself and I didn't deserve that. So that's really how it kind of festered, I suppose, was that food was seen as something of moral worth. Um, and where I didn't like myself, I felt like I didn't deserve it. Therefore, I didn't eat it. That's really kind of what it manifested itself into when I was in my early teens in high school. And it, and is this something that like your family was aware of that others were saying, hey, you know, we're getting concerned about this? Mm -hmm. I think yes, but not until quite a lot later on. And I would say that that would be probably in my early 20s when things really took hold and things were kind of really escalating quite quite quickly things were getting really bad in terms of my eating and my exercise and my mood so I would say yes but not until quite a bit later on for for people okay so this is this is sort of going to be a tough question because I'm, I'm kind of asking you to speak for mm -hmm. for an entire condition here but for for people who you know we in the in the substance misuse field we get a lot of people saying oh well it's just a choice just stop taking the drug right i mean which is which is foolish but we get yeah. that a lot so mm -hmm. so i'm sure in 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 you know the, the the field of eating disorders you get people who just say but but just eat something why like why is this so hard <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah. like how do you yeah. how do you help someone understand okay but that's mm -hmm. not what's going on here i'm not just choosing not to eat mm-hmm Oh, a hundred percent. Um, the reason I was giggling the whole way through you saying that was because the amount of times I have heard that is ridiculous, or very much the phrase, "Oh, I, I wish I had your willpower to not eat." Um, it's not that you know I don't like food. I absolutely love food. I was always someone that really enjoyed food, but um, anorexia is just—it's oh, an effect of something. It's not necessarily the cause. So it is my depression manifesting itself into affecting my eating so like some people um they hide away when they're depressed I would do that but I would also control very much what I was eating as a way of punishing so the way I would explain it to people would be it's similar to kind of self-harm where you want to make your body feel something you want to either escape or you want to get a sense of just control over things it's not about the food it's just a byproduct of how you're feeling um and for someone that doesn't have anorexia that must sound really strange for someone that does have anorexia it still sounds really strange I think it is one of those illnesses that even if you're suffering from it you don't fully understand it is just all-encompassing and it, I wish it was as simple as just eat the food <laughs> I think it would be absolutely amazing if that's what it was that, you know, could solve this condition was just eat. You can't just eat. You have to deal with the problems that are causing it at the same time. Beautifully answered. So so back to your story, then, you know, you 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 make it through high school. 
you, mm-hmm. uh, it sounds kind of like this is this is an ongoing battle, but it is yet to sort of um, let's let's put it in an easy way for people to understand. Uh, be winning, you know, it's not yeah. winning yet. Uh, mm-hmm. At what point does that does does, does that table turn at what point do you hit a point Mm. where you are no longer able to combat this it is becoming too big of a problem for you to to handle Mm -hmm. I think that was really sort of my last year at university so I was well considered in England quite a long way from home probably in America it's only around the corner for you but I was a good sort of six hours away from from home when I was at university um, and I think everybody paints such a picture of university being the best time of your life. Uh, for me, it was a real struggle. I, I was quite homesick. I kind of got into some very negative relationships and very manipulative ones. And unfortunately, I was in a relationship where the guy could see my insecurities and he said them out loud. And I think for someone to voice your inner oh, insecurities and put them out there, that is so detrimental and I think from then on my anorexia really clung on to those and made me feel as though all of my thoughts were truth because if somebody could see my inner insecurities that I've never told anybody then they must be true so from that time on everything I believed um, all of the negatives I believed were true and then it just kind of really took took off from there um, and just got gradually gradually worse um but really kind of really took off in my final year at uni so that's such a uh, man that's such a powerful story piece of the story because you know it, it it's that doesn't happen to everybody where you know I, everyone's been in a bad relationship that part's gone mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. but having somebody in your life who sort of has that power and uses it in such a dis- destructive way mm-hmm. is unfortunately common for people who go through traumatic experiences, uh, but is, I think, hard for a lot of people to relate to, you know, and yet it sounds like that was such a turning point for you. I think so. I think it's kind of coming back to that whole identity thing. And, you know, just not knowing who you are and university is that time to to find out who you are and to kind of be told that you're this person that you so don't want to be <laughs> is really very difficult. Um, and, yeah, I think that was just very detrimental and just sowed the seed for everything that was to come. So what does your struggle against anorexia look like at this moment? Hmm. I think after sort of seven months of being in a hospital admission, I I would have thought I would have come out and just been, I am free. <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel as though it's the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. I see myself as, as Haley now, but Haley who has anorexia, not Haley the anorexic. So I can definitely be more myself and be more in control my thoughts are a lot louder than my anorexic thoughts I can flick them away instead of punch them away like I used to have to do um I think coming home from hospital has been a real challenge in lots of ways 
I now drive the routes I used to walk. I don't get out of my pajamas until one in the afternoon when it used to be four in the morning, needing to go and walk and exercise all the time. So, so much has changed. Um, but I do think it is still that onward climb to the peak of being fully recovered. Well, that is a beautiful place to take a pause. And, and, and if you wouldn't mind shouting out where people can find you online, especially I'm going to give you a little plug here, your fantastic blog. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and then we'll come back with the second half. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, you can find me online on my um Oh my goodness, my mind has gone blank on my blog, <laughs> Scales Are for Fish. Um, and I really hope you like what you read and learn lots from that. Hey y'all, it's me, your host. I'm sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a fantastic episode of the podcast, but I have to give a quick shout out to my partner, Roadrunner CBD. They have been working with me for a while now, and I just love their products. They have everything from tinctures to muscle gels, and all of them are fantastic. You know, I rub the muscle gel on my legs before I run, and they keep me feeling pretty good, which is saying something. So check out Roadrunner today at their website, www.roadrunnercbd.com slash ref, R-E-F slash C-Y-S. Again, that's roadrunnercbd.com slash ref slash C-Y-S. And use the code C-Y-S at checkout to let them know that I sent you and get 10% off. Trust me, you're gonna love this. I've sent some of their products to a couple different people and they've all become repeat customers. So check it out today and don't forget to let them know that Choose Your Struggle sent you. Find me on social media. Check the link in the show notes or search for me, Jay Schiffman on YouTube and LinkedIn and Choose Your Struggle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So, so let's go now back to your story. So you, you, you've, you've hit a point in your life where your uh, condition, I guess this is where it would be helpful to know when you learn its name, when you learn that this is bigger than you, and sort mm-hmm. of when it becomes, as you were kind of saying before, to the point where your family and, and other people are saying that they're concerned. Mm-hmm. I think I was very, very good at dismissing that I had a problem. I was able to go to work. I was able to socialize. I was able to live life. I say that with uh, little asterisks in the air because I don't think I was living at all. I was merely surviving. I don't think I properly came to terms with my diagnosis of being anorexic probably until about two years ago when I fully realized that I'm not very well and that I really need support that the things I really want to achieve in life I'm unable to do I at that point was unable to be a mum my periods had stopped for about 10 years I was unable to continue my profession of being a teacher because the demands of the job I just couldn't do anymore So I think I finally admitted defeat about two years ago and really came to the realisation that I really need help, that I am just surviving and not thriving and that I don't have a life. I am controlled in my life and I needed to do something about it. So, yeah, I would say two years ago, I really 
he came to understand that I am an anorexic and I, I did need support. And, you know, we're getting close like, to, to the point where you and I connected, but it sounds like yeah. you were sort of living with that realization for what, about a year to a couple years? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I engaged with therapy and um, day patient support um, as best I could. But I think I was still very much in denial that I had a problem. Um, and it wasn't until they kind of said to me that they couldn't support me anymore um, that I kind of began to realize that this problem was bigger than me um, and that I needed intensive support from hospital to kind of really deal with the problem. So talk a little bit about, before we really talk about the actual hospital stay Mm -hmm. itself, but talk a little bit about where your feelings were heading into that because this is where you and I connected and yeah. and you know I remember from you telling me you were you were scared this was not something yeah. that you like you it sort of was a in my understanding a little bit of a dual feelings because you were not excited but you were happy that you were going to be getting some sort of a treatment but also mm-hmm. terrified does that sound accurate yeah no absolutely completely I think just that whole being in denial made me very scared about what was going on the anorexic voice in my head was just telling me this is wrong this is not safe this isn't what you should be doing it goes against everything I believe in but then I know that the rational Haley side of me was just like thank god someone is going to save my life as scary and as hard as it's going to be I need to be saved because I can't do it myself so you go into the hospital and, and how long you were there for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have gone into hospital had I have known it would have been so long. And now I realize that's why my therapist said, oh, you'll just be in there for, you know, a couple of weeks just to get the ball rolling. Had they have said you'll be in for seven months, I think I would have definitely run to the hills. Um, but I think that seven months just raises the severity of the illness that it shows exactly what we were talking about earlier that it's not just about the food it's not just just eat and it will solve everything you know eating helps you live which is fantastic but you need to solve the problems to make you actually live life yes you can be alive but you're not living so whilst my body you know was getting stronger and and healthier in hospital and also needed to work on my mind to make that healthier as well which is why I was there for so long um yeah like I said before had I have known that I think it would have been a very different story but I am very very grateful for those seven months um and yes I was scared the whole time but I learned to run into fear because that is the only way that you know you're doing the right thing if it feels scary then it's the right thing to do (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about, though, you know, seven months is a long time to be away in any situation. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it like? You know, you're if I I think I'm right, you're married and obviously you have a you know, your 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 family or you're, you're mm-hmm. engaged. Is that right? Or are you married? Yeah, that's right. So we we're getting married in less than two months now, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank but you, you were. 
you have a, a family that you're very close to. I know you told me that before. I and and yeah. you, you have a, a fiance. I mean, mm-hmm. this had to be extra difficult. I did this when I was very much unattached. You did mm-hmm. this as an adult, as a person with a life. Yeah. What was it like trying to maintain all those relationships being away for seven months? Uh, just one word. I think it was just how it was. Yeah. It was living and breathing hell. It was having to face your worst nightmare every day, all day by yourself (laughs) and just wanting a hug. And I think that was the hardest thing for me. My fiance is my best friend. He is literally my rock. And to not have that there was so hard it wasn't helped because of the pandemic so I wasn't allowed any visitors um so we went months without seeing each other thankfully towards the end of my admission I was able to see him an hour a week um but yeah I think for anybody who is going through a very difficult time you really rely on your support network to get you through it and to not have your support network there it was just it was just awful. It was really, really hard. But thank goodness for technology and, you know, being able to talk on the phone every day. That was incredible. Um, but, yeah, to not actually physically see them or be able to give them a hug for a very long time was was so hard. Well, uh, props to, to your fiance. That is that is uh, I mean, you know, there are stories, I think that are much mm-hmm. more common where that goes a very different direction. Yeah. Uh, and so really Absolutely. props to him and also really happy for you that, that you guys have that Thank kind of relationship you. that he was able, uh, he was emotionally able to be that supportive. Yeah. I think that that is just a complete reflection of him and what an incredible person he is. And you're so right. Many a people would have, absolutely not stuck around for that but to have his support there every day kind of made me realize that maybe if he wants to stick around then maybe I am worth fighting for and yeah I I literally could not have got got through that without him so this is the part of the interview where we both cried. That was very beautiful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my fiance uh, cringes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll you'll have to play this for him. I'm sure he knows how much you appreciate, but you'll have to play this for him. Yeah. So, so okay. So, so you know, first off, by the way, thank you. You're being very vulnerable, and obviously, I I very much appreciate that. Let's let's talk a minute about what being sort of sort of two levels here because you and I again can commiserate over what it's like being in a lockdown unit we we, you know Mm -hmm. we both were were there I was there for three weeks before going to a a different place for three months you were there for Mm -hmm. seven months which is incredible um Mm -hmm. but also what it's like being in a in a sort of hospitalization ward for for an eating disorder because that's a very different experience so what what was a normal day like for you in, in the hospital? Mm-hmm. So it was very much a structured day. Um, it was a very long day. We would be up at about 6.30 in the morning and we would have medical checks four times a day. So first thing in the morning, we would have our um, heart monitored 
um, blood um, blood pressure taken just to make sure that everything was was okay. Um, we would then have meds and breakfast at about half past eight, and then from then on we would be eating every two hours which for someone with anorexia is absolutely hell but I can imagine lots of people will be listening to this thinking oh that's amazing every two hours getting to eat but it's literally like going into the boxing ring every two hours being absolutely terrified that you're going to lose a fight it felt like that every every two hours so we would have that um and then in between those we would have um sort of therapy sessions be that on your own or group therapy um, and, and that was the day, really. After every meal, we would have something called supervision. So that would be when you were all um, expected to sit in the lounge for an hour after every main meal, just for one observations and two to, to make sure that we're not doing anything detrimental to our recovery. So compensatory behaviours like going to the bathroom or exercising. Um, so yeah pretty much all day you would be with with people it was it was pretty exhausting <laughs> and and it was pretty much like that sort of every day was was your unit um was it both men and women or was it just women uh yeah it was for for both men and women um when i was there there was only one guy um and the rest were women so that was quite interesting. A lot of them were teachers as well, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you, were you able to make any friends or was this, was this so stressful that you really weren't even able to have those interpersonal relationships? Um, the people I met were in my admission were more like family at the time. Um, just the amount that you would rely on that person to get through the day I can't even comprehend getting through the day without them they were just exceptional human beings and I am really really lucky to say that I'm gonna have friends for life with those friends that I made there in fact one of them um designed a tattoo for me and I now have that on my back and that kind of gets me through every day because it reminds me of of my friend and I always think to myself what would she do and she would do the scariest thing and yeah she's always with me now always challenging me and I like that so I would say that as weird those as those relationships are it's not normal to see you know friends as family in a hospital setting they actually are there to to save you and guide you and be there for you so I feel very lucky and very very privileged to have met those people that I did in hospital that is uh that is awesome that is very cool um so so what what was the therapy like for 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 in this hospital was it mm -hmm. you know you, you had group you said but I imagine uh, this would be a much more, or maybe it wouldn't be, but but a much more um, understanding group, and and not as you know, a lot of the therapy I went through for because because the issue was both mental health and, and drugs was very mm -hmm. uh, not accusatory, but a little harsh at times. W mm -hmm. Was that was was there a lot of challenging therapy, or was it more supportive and uplifting? Oh, that's a good point. And I think really it depended on your mood at the time. I think 
the therapy sessions were meant to be uplifting but if you are going in feeling very depressed then you kind of have that black cloak over you all the time I think it was meant to be empowering so we had body image sessions where you're meant to kind of see your body as your friend but very much if you're going in with the whole I've just had lunch and I feel absolutely disgusting my body is not my friend right now is very difficult to see it that way um I think a lot of them were kind of building up your resilience and your ability to cope with emotions and relationships and things like that so there were very hard-hitting subjects but they were done in a very kind of light-hearted way I suppose um, there were a mixture. I think it just depended on what the, the topic of conversation was that week. And what was there, was there um, individual therapy too or just group? Mm, yeah, so every week you would meet with an individual therapist for an hour a week um, and really you would have a formulation as to how, how we think we've got to this point, what we need to discuss, what we need to really work on um, and it was just very individualized to each patient. Um, and I can safely say that, you know, my therapist really listened to what I needed and was just amazing at supporting me throughout my time there. That is, that is wonderful. So, so you left the hospital now, how long ago? It was a month on Saturday. Congratulations. By the time this comes out, it'll be almost two months. Um, Or, or probably a little less than actually this no this will drop in a couple of weeks so so never mind oh um, how exciting yeah so your as as you perfectly said earlier and this is the reason I asked you this I want to swoop back around is that you sort of beautifully articulated that you are not quote unquote recovered that this is mm-hmm. an ongoing work so so are, are you back in sort of a day patient are you are you in what is what does your continued care look like. So I now see um, an outpatient therapist once a week. So I have a 45 minute session once a week um, and I get medically monitored. So I have my bloods done and an ECG. So they, they look at my heart every other week. Um, and, and that's basically my care now. So it is a major shift from very intensive support to essentially go at it on your own and I'll help you for 45 minutes a week um which I think has been the biggest challenge um on my reco- in my recovery journey now it's just the kind of it all relies on me um and I have to do what I need to do I just see my food as my medicine but obviously it's it's still battling those those thoughts all the time but that's why I'm so grateful that I have that um that time with my therapist every week to kind of talk about my challenges in the week and figure them out and put a plan in place. And and how are you feeling currently about your ability to, to face this, this challenge? Um, a little like a failure, if I'm going to be honest. I think that's because I'm very hard on myself and I need to realize that it's not going to be perfect. I am going to make mistakes. Um, it's hard <laughs> I just need to keep keep doing what I need to do and not listen to the voices and just yeah keep keep with my plan I'd say I'm 90% of the way to doing what I'm needing to do but not quite 100% yet well I I 
think that is a very beautiful uh, and vulnerable thing to say that, that, you know, so often, even those of us who do this, uh, you know, all, all this work, what, what people kind of want to hear is I feel empowered and, and, mm-hmm. and that is true a lot of the times, but, but mm-hmm. that's not always the case. And you're right. You know, this uh, struggle, you know, maybe you will get lucky to and through hard work it's not really luck that's not the right thing to say but but you'll get to a point where where it really isn't the rear view mirror but a lot of times Mm -hmm. the the struggle is sort of if you're in the car it's always running right there next to you and you're not going to let it in but you know you're aware that it's there and so hearing that that you know, maybe the wind to keep this ridiculous analogy going, the window has be- <laughs> become cracked and, and, and it's trying to get back in the car It yeah. is a really important thing to say because it's it's acknowledging that that you are human, that, that there is, you know, even as you are on a better swing right now, it's still tough and you're still fighting. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think I was very. I don't know. I think I kidded myself that, you know, oh, I'm out of hospital. Everything will be fine. I'll be fully recovered. And and I think that's what I think a lot of my friends and family think of me is that, oh, you're not in hospital anymore. You must be better. Whereas I am better, but I'm still not recovered. I think this is where the real work starts. I'm seeing this as my full time job now is I very much need to to keep on the straight and narrow and to do what I need to do and not let, you know, those voices win. Um, and you're right, you're completely right. It is finding those cracks in the window, but it's learning to to seal those up and just be like, the life that you gave me, anorexia, is not the life I want anymore because it wasn't living. It was just hell. Well, and, and to sort of put a finer point on that, you know, this is something I talk about a lot too because when I entered recovery, which was uh, spring of 2010, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we see in movies and in sort of the, the way that this story is told sometimes, someone, you know, gets off the drugs and then that's it. They're done. Yay, success. And it's like, <laughs> that's not true. That's mm-hmm. not how this works, you know. Wouldn't you it love to me... for that to be the case? I think that would be absolutely amazing. But... Right? I mean, it, it took me five years to, to mm-hmm. really feel healthy and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, at a point where I was sort of like on flat ground again, I wish yeah. it was the case where I came, yeah. I got off the drugs and I, I could lift my hands up and go, mission accomplished, you know? Yeah. But, but it's so important for people like you to tell your story and say, no, I'm in recovery, I'm getting better, but I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still fighting. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I guess this was very much the same for you. I mean, I don't want to to speak for you, but I've now come out of hospital and now I'm like, who am I? Because so much of my life was my eating disorder. Every part of my day was, you know, channeled towards that. And you know, getting the high from walking two hours a day nonstop and, you know, doing exercise and, and not eating or eating very little. And and now it's kind of like, God, what, what do I do with my day? <laughs> it's very different from life before hospital and it's figuring that out as well. And I didn't really appreciate that that would be a problem when I came back. And I'm wondering if that was kind of the same for you when you came out and you know stop with your addiction and kind of knowing what your day now looks like without that it's so bizarre it 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 was um it was definitely a struggle of 
uh, sort of, you know, when I describe what those five years were when I when I was getting healthy, I talk about, you know, my maturity catching up and relearning mm-hmm. how to be a person in a world where all of my go to's before were pop pills. And, and you know, like uh, it was it was reeducation and refiguring mm-hmm. out who I am. So I definitely mm-hmm. commiserate with that. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you with absolute certainty that. You know, it is going to be hard, but at the same time, you know, you sound like a, to me, uh, like a person who I got to say is in a better position mentally than I was when I, when I first entered recovery. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I, I, I believe in your ability to, to keep, uh, putting one foot in front of another and, Mm -hmm. um, it'll be, what I would love is, you know, uh, a year down the line, five years down the line, you coming back and saying, here's what this time has, has been for me. Here's where I am now. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look what you've achieved. Who knows? What's this space? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Haley, so much for, for this. This is incredible. Before we go into the final conversation or the final questions, one more time, please shout out where people can find you online, where they can come follow you. Yeah, so I have a blog, uh, Scales Are For Fish, and I would really love for everybody to give it a read and learn a little bit more about my struggles. And it is a wonderful blog. I read it. You should definitely, definitely do so. Well, Haley, we, we finish with the same two questions every time. The first one, you know, maybe a little more difficult because you're kind of relearning this right now. But uh, what are your self-care habits? Oh, that's a really good question. I think self-care habits is something that I've really worked very hard on because for me, self-care always meant being selfish. And I've learned that definitely is not the case so for me self-care is spending time doing things that I really enjoy so I'm currently sat in my beautiful craft room that my fiance made for me whilst I was in hospital just kind of looking at all of the beautiful crafts that I do to make my self-care as positive as it can be so for me one doing things I enjoy so mindful activities like crafts and I would definitely say meeting up and connecting with people um is another way that I really look after myself and and I can I can definitely say as someone who has bought some of your crafts they are beautiful <laughs> and you. you definitely need to be charging more for, for that, that was <laughs> no <ridiculous>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very um, British thing <laughs> <laughs> that's fair uh also a very recovery thing you know learning relearning your worth uh which is mm-hmm. definitely much more than what you're charging uh, so everybody go check out her crafts because I bought a beautiful necklace and it's wonderful. Uh, last question is we've now spent the last almost 50 minutes learning why you're incredible, why we should all be following the work you're doing. But please shout out a couple of people that you follow, what you're reading, watching, listen, whatever you mm-hmm. want that we should all go check out. So I would definitely highly recommend uh, following one of my best friends on Instagram called Cara Lissette. She is absolutely incredible in terms of really supporting those that are struggling with their mental health. So she's a mental health advocate and she has also um, is in recovery from an eating disorder. Absolutely amazing person. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about anorexia um, and how to deal with your mental health or to support other people with anorexia, then I highly recommend somebody called Tabitha Farrar, 
she has a blog um she has a podcast and she has the most incredible book I have ever read called rehabilitate rewire and recover um and I really cannot um tell you enough how amazing it is she just understands anorexia and how to support those with it and she actually recovered by herself from an eating disorder so she is my all-time hero <laughs> beautiful i will definitely add that to to the list uh hilly thank you so much for 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 your vulnerability for telling us your story and you know it is pretty amazing uh, that, that, you know, when we, or how far you've come from when we first connected. Uh, and, and I will say, you know, this is, you're, you're going to be like, oh my God, no, because you know, British, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not surprised that you, you know, you were, I know, I can't imagine how hard this was. I know that I have no idea because every person's struggle is different, even if we have overlapping themes. But when we first connected, you know, I very quickly said, let's, let's re you know, let's, I'll get you on the show when, when you, you've mm -hmm. left the hospital. And I had no doubt whatsoever that we were going to reach this point because you had that in you. And even, you know, as you continue to fight this, uh, through, through the setbacks and, and, you know, the, the challenges that will come, I truly believe in your ability to keep fighting. And, and I'm sure you are going to keep having an incredible impact on others. Oh, thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate that. That's really lovely. Thank you. The Choose Your Struggle podcast has been so lucky to have numerous truly change-making authors on this show. From Adi Jaffe to Emily Dufton, we have been blessed by hearing them speak, and now it's time to grab their works. Now, you could go to Amazon if you wanted to shop online, but let's be honest, that's not the right choice. So I'm going to invite you to head over to my partner, Bookshop. If you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS, you're going to find all of your favorite books and you're going to support the podcast in the process. But that's not even the best part. Bookshop has an incredible program that allows you to select your favorite mom and pop or neighborhood bookstore, and they will give them some of the proceeds from your order. Now, living here in Philly, that's been a really hard choice because we have fantastic bookstores all over, but I selected Harriet's, which is a truly wonderful black-owned bookstore in Northern Philly. I love it. My wife loves it. We go there as much as we can. Honestly, why would you go anywhere else? So again, go check out Bookshop at bookshop.org slash shop slash CYS. You're going to find the book you're looking for. You're going to support your neighborhood bookstore, and you're going to support the podcast in the process. So check it out today and go ahead and buy that book you've been waiting for. Subscribe to my Patreon for behind-the-scenes looks at the podcast, sneak peeks, and bonus data. You'll also get a discount on Choose Your Struggle merch. Find it at patreon.com slash chooseyourstruggle. All right, we've come to the end of another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Haley. You know, please, again, go check out her blog her her store um uh, with with her her wearable art it, it's her story to me is so it's so important um and and i want to talk about that for a second because 
this is something I said to her on the way in when, when I was interviewing her. Uh, obviously, we've been talking now for over a year. Um, and I, as you can tell from, from the people that I bring on, very seldom do I have people that I don't feel comfortable. Maybe comfortable is not the right word. I don't feel... Learned enough, whether through traditional or lived experience learning, to have a conversation with, right? You know, if I'm talking to someone about drug policy, obviously very, very learned on that. Um, someone who struggles with mental health, substance misuse, all that. But there are certain people that come on here sometimes that I don't feel as confident uh, about, not not about anything about them, except that they're either lived through or learned about a, a subject that is is beyond my knowledge or or their level of intelligence as as with a f- uh, future guest um who who i just finished actually interviewing yesterday uh the writer michael rosino writer and, and researcher um who is so smart that i honestly i told him on the way in like i'm scared i'm going to like insult you with these questions you know but i felt that way with haley because when i was in uh lockdown I was there with a couple of people who were struggling with eating disorders, one of whom is, is still a longtime friend. Uh, we knew each other before that. We've become better friends since. Um, and I'm going to see her for the first time in a couple months, which is going to be fantastic. But um, I, I just know so little about eating eating disorders, struggles with, with, with eating issues uh, or, or, or anything in that realm. And... Of course, there's the connection about both of us were in the hospital. Both of us um, can that the mental health side of things. That's that's what a uh, struggle with anorexia, bulimia, any of the the what we would traditionally think of as, as eating disorders. That's what they are. They're mental health struggles, like anything else. And of course, there's that connection. But at the same time, I just feel so much less uh, <laughs> eloquent and, and educated about talking about that. And, and that limits me sometimes. And I recognize that. And yesterday I was talking with friend of the pod, uh, JT Frank. Um, you all heard me on his podcast consequences of habit, um, which I released as a special episode on this, on this podcast. Uh, and, and he was sort of counseling me a little bit because there's someone he connected me with that I'm, I'm, going to have on the pod. I was just being hesitant because I felt that I couldn't do our conversation. I was doing going to do our conversation in disservice. And um, JT correctly pointed out that, that I was being foolish and, and I needed to hear that. Um, so I say all that to say, number one, to thank you for Haley because she was such a wonderful guest. Uh, she's been such a wonderful, you know, uh, across the ponder, as, as we said, because there isn't a word for someone who who is our relationship. You know, we don't rent in person. We are friendly, but we're not, you know, I'm not going to call her up and chit chat or something. We're also not acquaintances. Uh, so but she's been so such an incredible person in that respect. Um and also, because that's going to be your good egg uh, this week, which is sort of twofold. Number one, if you have somebody in your life, um, you know, JT is a great guy. He's not the guy to go to for these things, although he he was fantastic in that moment. But let them talk to you in a way that you hear and lets you know you're being stupid. Uh, but also challenge that for yourself. Um, I need to think of a good pithy way to say this so I can put it in the show notes. Um, recognize your own shortcomings. That's that's not really what I'm saying. Uh, recognize your own limitations. That's also not really it. But you all know what I'm saying. Be aware of, of, of where you are limiting yourself, um, because every time I'm, I'm afraid of that, it's it's. 
I'm always wrong. You know, Haley and I had a wonderful conversation. Michael Rodino and I had a wonderful converse, conversation that you'll hear in a couple of weeks. And this person that I'm working on now getting on, on the show that, that JT connected me with, it's going to be great. So um, recognize when you are limiting yourself. Let's go with that way. And in, in that honor, and in honor of Haley, we're going to go with the Believe in Yourself card pack from Blurt. Uh, Believe in Yourself from Blurt. Thank you, Blurt. There are the cards. I'm going to shuffle this week because I'm confident I'm not going to throw them around the room. Okay, here is your card. Self-kindness, even in the most microscopic of doses, is transformative. It's a good card. That's literally what I'm talking about, you know, is, is to take a moment to say, um, you know, using this example, you know what, <laughs> even if you don't do an incredible job, you're still going to do a good job. You know, um, I, I am very confident in my ability to do this show, obviously over a hundred episodes. Um, you know, it's reached all the heights. I don't need to go into all that stuff, but, but there are times where I limit myself. And, and a lot of that, uh, I was on a call yesterday with um, a couple people you all know, uh, including Jen Trepic and um, uh, the Imran, the founder of, of, of uh, Great Pods, who you'll hear on this podcast in a couple of weeks, and uh, Alex Kaplan and Mark Zuckerbrow of, of, of Substance and Freddie Chicago of The Message. We're, we're all um, in sort of a founders entrepreneur roundtable together. And uh, they were kind of poking fun at me, rightfully so, that I was downplaying myself about something and, you know, uh, in, in a good nature way. I wasn't like ribbing on myself. I was just describing something in a way that was not factual and, and was limiting and they were giving me shit for it accurately. So and so, you know, you need to have those people in your life because sometimes, um, you know, we as humans can cannot see things in, in a correct way, especially when it comes to ourselves. So, um, you know, definitely the, even just a little bit of self-kindness can be transformative. So so take a moment for that. But above all else, as always, be vulnerable, show your empathy Spread your love and choose your struggle.